there's nothing else I had thought about something that I thought might be useful. Um, so you often talk about enduring things on the right level. Hmm. So, well, first, what exactly needs to be endured? Hmm. And then what's the right level? Exactly. And yeah. and then, well, I suppose, yeah, why is it important? What does it result in? Yeah, so, uh, what needs to be endured is basically the um, any type of pressure. There's always a degree of pressure. So you're not enduring some random abstract ideas or things that are not uh, whose emotional weight is not felt. Mm -hmm. So it's always it, that's why it's like the importance, like um, all things converge on feelings, as Buddha mm -hmm. said. That's basically where you find what you need to endure, uh, what you need to not act out of, um, and uh, so yeah. Uh, so the, the the types of pressure, you know, you can you can describe them in your own way, in a way like whatever pressures you. But fundamentally, they're going to fall into five categories, the categories of the five hindrances. But I don't want to just say, oh, you endure five hindrances, because people have read extensively about the five hindrances, and then they'll just slot what I said into that idea of, aha, five hindrances, right? This is how you deal with them. Uh, no, it's like you find. You find your existence always within one of those. It always has to be pressured by something, unless you're like completely in first jhana, basically. There will always has to be a degree of pressure. So you see whether it's the pressure in regard to sensuality, whether you are immovable in regard to that pressure, whether it's the pressure in regard to ill will, irritation, sloth, laziness, um, indolence, uh, whether it's in regard to doubt, there is always something where your feelings are converging on. Mm. Either craving for more pleasure, craving for less pain, craving for less doubt, and so on. So that needs to be recognized as a thing, as a state of mind, as a fundamental uh, direction mm. that you are in. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to endure it on the right level? Well, means basically to see it to its extent as phenomena see it as a thing there as we spoke before independent of space or time or your actions that come out of it it's just there on its own and to that extent it has arisen and to that extent it's manifested and you need to kind of see like people might recognize sensual desire in their mind or ill will but they recognize it with all the like with a whole set of assumptions Oh, this ill will, it's in my brain, it's in my mind, it's the hormones, it's the electrons, it's the body, it's this, it's that. It's not. It's your mode of existence at the time. Fully, completely, as entire picture. That is your basis. The mind of ill will. The mind of lust. The mind of doubt. So you need to see it um, on the level of the mind. In other words, not as a thought in your head like inside of this head that's part of this body but pretty much recognize that whether it's the body, head, inside, out all the notions of space are secondary to the enduring level of the pressure of certain feeling that you have at the time so it needs to be seen as a phenomenon independent 
of space and time needs to be recognized uh, in its own presence so to speak and then obviously the only way you can recognize that is if you have not been acting out of it habitually which is already creating furthering that division inside outside sense organs sense objects from here to there in between the two left and right but all of that is within the enduring capsule <laughs> of a certain hindrance so you can't put a hindrance in front of you as an object of your experience and you certainly can't measure it in space and time but you can certainly you can you can feel its pressure you can feel its weight and that abstract kind of recognition seemingly abstract recognition it's abstract because the mind is not trained in regard to it but if you were to stop and ask yourself oh is there a like are there even traces of sensuality or is there a possibility of a non-arisen sensual desire to arise in me do I see that like oh if I if I were to do this this and this would sensuality arise recognizing that that's a phenomenon real as such that possibility that reality that that liability and you need to see it enduring there regardless of what you do where you look where you sit how you go you need to see it independent of your movement of your body of your division in out mind yours world uh, science everything else that's what it means you need to see this phenomenon you need to recognize that it's really such in its own extent uh, wherever it has arisen whichever way it has arisen so you don't need to perceive it directly with your eyes in order for it to be real you just need to be aware of it and you are aware of it so when you recognize also anything I can be aware of means it's real as such within that level within that domain sure it's not real in the domain of sights because I can't see it there it doesn't exist there but it's certainly real in the domain of thoughts in the domain of images in the domain of feeling and so on and that's as we spoke before that's what the only is mm -hmm. yeah so that would be the right level so you start seeing the hindrances first as the cornerstones that are kind of converging point kind of the, the, the we're trying to make you act or you're, you're trying to um, prolong pleasures avoid pains so even if there is not an acute sensual desire present as I said before if you're still valuing sensuality hoping it will come hoping you'll get some more later on and so on that is still uh, operational within the hindrance of sensual desire within that uh, direction within that pressure why because the notion of pleasure in that most kind of remote mental sense of an image of agreeability is not seen real as such it's not seen real as an image that directs your experience and then makes you crave for more it's seen as a fleeting thought in regard to the more kind of real senses and even realer gratification that I get on account of sense objects but all of that is known only because you have that thoughts there throughout that whole project of chasing sensuality like how would you know that touching something is pleasant before you touch it how would you crave for it how would you crave for its pleasure before you actually made the physical contact with seemingly where the pleasure comes from which is the sense object that would be inconceivable yet here you are acting protecting fighting to gain to get that sense of touch sight sounds smell taste touch whatever it is before you actually touch it contact it because pleasure is already rooted in your mind that's already that image that exists that defines everything else yet you think it's just an abstract fleeting thought you don't you don't recognize the the, the weight of it and 
person wouldn't recognize it because they would just be habitually acting out of it. And as I said, through acting out of it, you are perpetuating that uh, gratuitous, completely false division of, oh, this is inside, this is outside, that's real, this is not, not, not as real, and so on. Um, but if you start recognizing that, no, it's, hold on, it's real as such. Like, how do I know that this is pleasant before I even look at it? How do I know where to look for pleasure? If pleasure comes from the contact of the sense objects onto my sense organs, only time I can know it is while I'm being contacted. Yet here I am planning, devising how to get it in the future. And you are equally gripped by that fever of sensual desire in your thoughts, even before you actually touch the objects that, that you crave for. Quite often, after touching the objects or tasting the objects you crave for, it's like it's a letdown. It wasn't as good as your thoughts were presenting the pleasure there. So it needs to be seen real as such on that level. And that's how you stop gratuitously emphasizing the, the sense objects. But first you need to be withdrawn from them. Yeah. Same with your will. Again, like you know, you might you might have a hateful attitude towards sight, sound, smell, taste, or touch, but fundamentally that attitude precedes the actual contact with those hateful objects. It's already in your mind mental framework. The disagreeability of it, the annoyance, the irritation. And you don't see that phenomenon real as such enduring there. And by overlooking it, that's it. You are under its pressure. That's all it takes. <clears throat> Look past the hindrance. Don't recognize it where it is, to the extent that it is, real as such, independent of space and time. Uh, that's all it takes for it to, 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 to hinder you. Just to not see it. You are already under its influence. And then the goal of that would be exactly, exactly that: um, freedom from freedom pressure. pressure. Freedom from five modes of pressure can assume. So, like as you said, all of what you just said would be completely invisible if you're acting out of these things. Yeah, it does not exist. So then. It might be uh, useful to clarify what constitutes acting out because it might be easy to assume mm. that it's only kind of relatively coarse as in if I go mm. and get the mm. thing I want right, right, right. and eat it or, or you know, see it or whatever. But uh, I suppose I want, to, I don't know, to give an example. Like you could even... Somebody could listen to this, listen to what you're saying, and even just, I, I suppose, you know, a, a pressuring kind of thought comes up, and now you start trying to remember, oh, what did he say, and how do mm. I, how did it, mm. and that's already acting mm. out. Yeah, so see, first the course, yeah. the course acting out has Obviously. to stop. Yeah. So, precept, sense restraint, it's just not negotiable. Like, mm -hmm. Dhamma does not exist. There is nowhere for Dhamma to apply unless that basis is developed beforehand. So it's just it's not up for debate. Now, acting out, exactly. So that will already be a hindrance of doubt. Mm -hmm. Oh, where do I look? How do I see another life? How do I do that? And the skill there, inevitably you're going to be, you're trying to deal with what hindrance, you're going to get caught into another one, and so on. Then you're going to get angry. Then you're going to try to overcome that pain by craving for sensuality, because yeah, that's your only means of escape. You know, Then you're going to go sleepy, because it's just too much, and so on. But the point is that not to deal with an individual hindrance in that coarse manner, but to recognize, 
I mean, you can initially, sure. Like if, if there is a, a, a hindrance of sensuality, well, don't go in the objects that would be making it worse. Um, if you are completely just, just sleepy and lazy, well, get off the comfortable couch. Don't lay on it because obviously it's going to, it's just common sense. Mm -hmm. But that, that's, that's nothing, it's not going to approve any hindrance. Mm -hmm. What would approve them eventually is to recognize that whichever it is present, it's present through the pressure. So, like, you might start by being gripped by the hindrance of doubt. Oh, he said I must see this on the right level. How do I see it on the right level? And you recognize, hold on. My whole desire to see this on the right level, it's already coming out of a pressure. Oh, that's what I need to do, not act out of the pressure. So by recognizing the pressure, you won't act out of it. By not, act out of it, not acting out of it, you get to recognize it. And then if the mind moves into like craving for sensual pleasure again, oh, again that's a pressure. I don't care what what wants as its object. All I care is it, I'm pressured, I'm under its kind of weight, push in a certain direction. That's what I need to see. I need to see that pressure real as such. There is pressure present. So like And then yeah. endure the pressure in that sense. Because see, once you see through the hindrance the pressure, its force, basically, where, 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 it kind of, where it has influence over you, the actual object and the content of the hindrance, you already surmounted. Mm -hmm. By recognizing the pressure of it, you're already not that much directed on central objects as you were before. Same with the doubt. Sure, if you l kind of overlook the pressure again, forget, try to get rid of it, you're going to fall into the objects presented. Ah, doubt and figure out, or sense objects, or anger. But if you actually recognize the pressure... As, as a necessary basis for any content of the hindrance, you are already uninvolved with the content. You're already closer to uprooting it. That's what I was going to say. So, like, if you recognize the, yeah, the pressure mm. in, any, in any way for anything, you don't necessarily even need to kind of, I don't know, classify it into all this. Exactly. Or th that's what I said. You can you describe need. it in your own way. Yeah. I mean, the suttas describe it five hindrances because that's all, but I'm sure mm. not all of the monks will necessarily see them back in the day they had probably their own ways but what they all had in common was the the pressure mm -hmm. so where would where would you find that pressure so where would you find if there is a, a, a presence of pressure or possibility of the pressure increasing and so on where do you look for it where is the level for that feelings feeling exactly mm -hmm. so you would know that if there is a feeling to the degree that there is a feeling to that degree there is a pressure any feeling any feeling yeah any feeling yeah so pleasant feeling, that's a pressure. Unpleasant feeling, that's a pressure. Neutral feeling, that's a pressure, yeah. Pressure then when known, it's not unpleasant. When not known, it's unpleasant. But fundamentally, there is always a pressure for as long, well, for as long as you're not an arahant. Obviously, it's not always the same degree of pressure. For somebody whose mind is free, partially free and so on, he's obviously going to have less things pressuring him because there are less fetters there. But the point is, uh, you need to recognize that, oh, it's not like, oh, I'm free from pressure now, and I'm not an arahant. That's impossible. So there's always going to be a degree of feeling. To that extent, there is a degree of pressure. To that extent, there is a potential for hindrance. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, you, if you don't see that pressure on the level that it exists as a phenomenon, neither inside nor outside, neither in my head nor in the world, but here, real as such, I mean, the most real thing directs your whole existence, shapes your whole life decisions and everything else, emotional needs and so on, and pressures. If you don't see it on that level, that's where it starts to hinder you. That's where its counterpart starts to hinder you.
but if you see it as a pressure it cannot it's it's held in, it's basically put in place it's recognized for what it is the beautiful the ugly the lack of energy um, restlessness again like natural phenomenon in a way but they don't need to they hinder you when you are not developed in regard to their pressure if you're developed in regard to their pressure they cease to be hindrances but those things that were hindering you those those contents those 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 objects they do remain yeah there's the sutta i, I don't remember the reference now maybe i can it describes yeah, exactly yeah. that when rightly way. attended they cease to be the, the hindrance but they mm. remain that which they were before they hindered you but obviously you don't start unhindered you don't start by having a pure sign of beauty that then develops into sensuality no 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 my not free from hindrances starts with sensuality so you can only undo the degree of that sensuality and then discover that there is a pure sign of beauty a pure sign of agreeable but attended rightly cannot bring lust to increase in you impossible attended rightly to what well to that sign to that pressure to to its characteristics and its core but i think yeah it's it's kind of about seeing what genuinely helps you in that sense as in not just kind of doing what you have thought you are supposed to do as in mm. there can be a difference between mm. those two well it's again if you think you should do what you're supposed to do you're not looking for the pressure you're exactly. just acting out to get rid of the discomfort mm. which is exactly what hindrance wants you to do that's exactly. the whole point Hindrance doesn't care if you follow through and how far you go as long as you act out of the pressure that's all it that matters you're already caught you're already hindered how far you go and whether you get your gratification or not that's all irrelevant mm-hmm. that's only important to you because you're already caught if you were to see that pressure as a phenomenon like you were describing just now correctly that it would not be that pressure would not be felt mm and if you think you see it rightly as a phenomenon but there is still that pressure you yeah. are overlooking something yeah and that's the practice there because initially naturally you emphasize your view mm-hmm. that's why the views are kind of the most blameworthy thing or the best thing that can free you see like you have a criteria whereby when the pressure is seen rightly it ceases to pressure you but it might not feel right to you So if you still emphasize that oh it doesn't feel right I need to see it again until it feels right that's already your Same view pressure. being put first yeah. yeah that's already under the pressure mm. so that's where that kind of intelligence and understanding and discernment starts to sort of um, play play the part where you recognize okay I know what's right though I understood that rightly seeing pressure means not being pressured there and then mm-hmm. while the pressure remains that which pressures you remain let's say that way so i just need to abstain and refrain from overly defining it so to slot and fit what i expected fitting to be and just pretty much out of faith stick to the right level because you recognize well but hold on my goal is not to satisfy my 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 uh, intellectual need for clarity and fit but my goal is to be free from suffering so i've come halfway up 
and there is freedom from suffering to that to that at that degree at that extent but now i kind of carry on more to fit it even better in a satisfactory manner so it's like but if i don't do that i still have nothing to lose if i don't give in to that pressure to overly clarify uh freedom from doubt and this hindrance and that hindrance but actually just stay with where the pressure is recognize it to the extent that I'm not pressured towards things that, that, that he wants me to go it's like yeah I have nothing to lose there like it's uncomfortable only because of your need to kind of overly do it overshoot the mark so that's that's what I mean. like I was going to ask you like um, what body posture are you now sitting like did you have to stop and think about it did you have to get up you know you already know that mm. so it's like sometimes when there is too much of a desire to like figure it out and understand you stop seeing the obvious that is still there such as body mm. is still there even if you don't explicitly think about it mm. so it's to learn how to keep seeing it without explicitly thinking about it that's the point and that's the the, the, the body postures um that you can contemplate or the nature of the body the universal nature of the organs regardless of the situation regardless of the emotional and so on because those things would set in so then they become that which your body is that's how you see it correctly but the body is already there the whole the way of attending to this here and now it's already on the basis of body being in a certain position here and now it's like it, it cannot be elsewhere so it's more like you undoing that expectation to find the body only after you think about it on your own terms because it's already there so it's like i can think about it to find it or i can refrain from thinking and look it's already there and then that's the direction that everything else goes first yeah you need to pick it up with your craving to know what to look for but then if you're doing it rightly time recognizes oh i'll find it by not actually actively engaging with this craving in that direction by yeah pick it up so I know what to recognize but recognition is over there yeah what I found all kind of a good way of putting it is what uh, Venable Aniga wrote in that essay regarding Yonis and Asikara is that even the recognition of the body already there is because the body is already there yeah mm -hmm. so like if you understand that then basically well it's it's the question of understanding it once it's the question yeah. of training yourself mm. to keep seeing it mm. that way yeah. so like let's say you do you are able to endure things on the right level to the extent that the pressure is not felt at least mm. once or something mm. then is there something else you need to do um, more well you just need to make sure that you always stay above those pressures then but there's not as in I don't there's nothing there's not really more you need to kind of on top of that well so there is, is but that can become only apparent once you're once thoroughly you're above the pressures because um, but yeah the suttas do say what you need to do when you get established in not being moved by any pressure mm -hmm. when it's completely equanimous peaceful 
immovable, quite delightful. Now you regard that the same way as you did the pressures. Oh, this is also uh, a death, a boil, a dart, affliction. I'm better off even not having this. So then your mind turns away even from that first jhana. And that's where the whole asava, all of the asavas will have to be uprooted, yeah. Nothing can remain lingering. But, but yeah, obviously in order to do that, yeah, first establish yourself <laughs> in the entire piece that no hindrance can move you. And then this will kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say it would come naturally, but with all the suttas that we already know, there is no way that then you would not, oh, hold on, well, this too, actually. Mm-hmm. It would be better if, well, it would be better if, it's, if, if it were not there to begin with, certainly. Mm-hmm. Because any experience that arises is not worth clinging to. It's not worth having. It's not worth delighting or finding safety in. Mm-hmm. Even this pure, purified, freed experience from all the pressures, all the compulsions, all the hindrances, all the doubts and everything else. Mm-hmm. Not mine, not for me, not I am. Because mm-hmm. that experience of being free from pressures and hindrances is real as such. It's mm-hmm. a phenomenon enduring there. Yeah. Phenomenon where the directionality of affirming or denying is completely evened out. So it's completely even. Mm-hmm. There is no more leaning forward nor against. But it's still real as such. That middle ground is real as such. And if you see it, means, oh, you will know it as impermanent, unownable, rightly developed, but equally not worth owning either.